When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market. We have a big, big IPO coming out on Wednesday, April 14th, and that's the Coinbase IPO. People want to know, hey, Ryan, what's the Coinbase IPO price prediction? Where is Coinbase going? Should I buy Coinbase? Now, look, initial public offerings, particularly very hyped ones, you had Snow, you had PLTR, you've had Roblox, Bumble. You've had tons of them over the past year, tons of them. And there's there's always like a common thread between some of the biggest ones we get. And that is, is they usually don't do as good as what everybody expects them to do. There's so much hype going into them. And a lot of that's just your, your, your banks, the people who are, who actually got in at the IPO price, they're the ones that are trying to drum up the support for it. And that's not the time that you want to be buying into the stock for the first time. Learn if anything in your trading, avoid the IPOs. There is no need to rush into an IPO. It's not going from zero to a million dollars a share on the first day. You're not going to miss out if you don't get on on the first day. That's just a matter of fact. You take a look at Facebook. It IPO'd back in the 40s years ago. And what did it do? It dropped all the way down to 17. It traded lower for months before it finally found its footing and started trading higher. Now you have a stock that's trading at over $300 a share. It didn't do that right out of the gate. And none of these stocks will. What you will usually find with these IPOs is that the stock usually struggles for the first three to six months. You have about a three to six month waiting period before you really need to get in to the stock. But I mean, think about all these IPOs that we've had so far this year. Everybody's talking about, this is the one to get into. This is the one you got to trade. I got to get into Pinterest. I got to get into Etsy. I got to get into Twitter. Some of those were a while back. But nonetheless, every time we get one of these well-hyped IPOs that people are familiar with, people go nuts about it. And all you're doing when you're trading these things is following the crowd. I've never bought a single IPO. Not on the first day, I haven't. Never. I haven't even bought one on the second day. I'm going to give it time, and I'm going to let it settle down and find its base before I actually start to gain any interest in it. You take Snowflake, S-N-O-W. This is probably the first time that I've actually been interested in buying the stock. And it's not even going to be as a long-term investment. It would be as a swing trade has a very nice basing pattern. It's the first time I've actually seen a workable pattern to trade off of. Maybe I get in, maybe I don't. We'll see how the pattern plays out in the coming days. But that initial offering, when the thing first comes out, people are rushing, they're putting their orders in. Yeah, when it first comes out, it's going to go straight up. But can you get filled at a good price? No, you can't. Can you manage the risk? No, it's going to go up and down all over the place. You're going to get whipsawed emotionally, financially. It's not worth playing it. So, So wait for this thing to come back down. I mean, it's the best way to go. 
The other thing, too, that should have you concerned about buying these IPOs, you go back to like the late 90s, right before the dot-com bubble crashed, you had people rushing IPOs out there like crazy. And you still have many more coming out this year. You got Stripe, you have Instacart, you have many, many more. But most of them that come out, they don't do that great. Yes, you have Airbnb and you've had PLTR. They've, they've been decent, okay? They've had some pretty good runs. But they didn't go to zero to a million dollars like everybody was expecting that they were going to retire off of this thing. No, they had good runs. But those are really the only two that I can point to of late that was well-hyped that actually did okay. But most of them are not going to do okay. Snow didn't do good. Bumble didn't do good. Going back a few years, Facebook and Twitter did not do good. Etsy and Pinterest. DoorDash of late did not do good. So there's no point in just trying to chase this crowd. And if you think you know better than the rest, you don't. You're fooling yourself. Nobody knows how this thing's going to go. You can look at precedent and look at the history of these most of these IPOs and see how they've done. You can realize, hey, this thing hasn't done much. I'm also taking a look at the Schiller P.E. ratio, and it is crazy. I mean, for those who are not familiar with what a P.E. ratio is, it's price divided by earnings. It really tells you how expensive from a fundamental basis, and I'm not a fundamental trader, but I do look at some of these things from a larger context standpoint from time to time. And it tells you basically how expensive are these stocks that you're buying right now. And the Schiller P.E. ratio is at 37. That means people are paying 37 times in price for what the earnings are worth. Historically, we're somewhere between like 18 to 24 is usually like the sweet spot for the market. We're at 37 right now. The only time since going back to 1870 where that's ever been that high was in the dot-com bubble. We got over to 45. Before it eventually crashed. Yes, we could keep climbing up that high. But a lot of this market right now, what we're seeing has a lot of the same late stage feelings that you saw back in the dot-com bubble. And I'm not here to say, okay, market crash is imminent. We're stock markets crashing tomorrow. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that the market can't still rally for another year to year and a half. But if you're looking for long-term investments in these IPOs that are coming out in the ninth inning, you're better off waiting. Because if this market does have a significant correction or even worse, a crash, these IPOs that you think you're buying at a steal today is going to be significantly, significantly lower, maybe 50, 60, 70% down the road. Now you can say, well, Ryan, that could happen years from now. Okay, fine. But if you invest it in these stocks right now and you're holding for years down the road, you're still going to be 50, 60, 70% down. As long as I've been trading, I've never seen a market not eventually pull back. The markets are like rubber bands. If you keep stretching them and stretching them and stretching them, eventually that rubber band's going to snap, which is not the, the best feeling world. That usually hurts a lot. Or it's just going to, you're going to simply let go and it's going to contract. And when it does, that's kind of like price, price action. When price action gets stretched far too much to the upside, it's either going to snap and you're going to get a significant crash like what we saw in 2008 and 2000, or price is going to contract like 20 or 30%. Either way, it's going to offer some incredible buying opportunities. And these IPOs that are coming out right now, they're not long-term investments at this point, at least not in my opinion. And everybody's talking about Coinbase, just like everybody's talked about all these other recent IPOs. But in, And what's funny is that they all think that they're unique and that they're like in on something that nobody else knows about. The only reason that I'm doing this podcast on Coinbase is because everybody's talking about it. I'm even holding off on going through the email that I got that I wanted to cover to talk about Coinbase up front. And think about it. I mean, we are getting the crumbs when it comes to these IPOs. When these stocks go public, the big banks, the Wall Street guys, 
all these people who are in the know and who went to Ivy League colleges and their daddies have made them little trust fund babies, they're the ones that are getting in on this. And what are they doing? They're selling it to you when this thing goes public and when they start letting it trade. The same people who excluded you, you're now offloading their assets into your account. That's kind of stupid, right? So yeah, there's going to be a feeding frenzy for Coinbase and there's so many people who are going to be simping not only for Coinbase, but for many IPOs to come. I mean, these companies that have yet to go public, they're crazy not to go public because everybody's willing to give them these crazy valuations because the public will eat it up. They know they can offload those shares. So of course they're going to jack the price and value of the company to the moon because they know that the public with all the stimmy checks that are coming in and all the extra money from unemployment coming in. Yeah, sure. People are going to, people are going to eat this stuff up, man. And so these companies are going to keep going public and all you're doing is really just enriching wall street. So that's really all I have to say about Coinbase. Moral of the story. Don't go crazy on Wednesday, April 14th for the Coinbase IPO. There's gonna be plenty of time to go buy it. It's not going to the moon on the first day. Don't get crazy about it. Give yourself like three to six months before you really make a trading decision on it. Now, for the email. Got this one coming in from Sweden. I got to give this guy a good name. I'm going to give him the name Eugene. Eugene writes, hey, Ryan, me and my brother listen to your podcast, and we think it's superb. Question is, is low beta stocks an alternative to keeping a short position in your portfolio as a good risk management strategy? We just started swing trading, and I've noticed that when the index drops, my low beta stocks keeps my portfolio floating. Shorting is a bit more difficult in Sweden than in the U.S., I suspect. Great job, and thanks for all the great tips. Since I spent a lot of time on the Coinbase, I kind of got a quick email that I could address some of the points with and uh, make it a pretty quick in-and-out answer for you guys. But first, before I get into this question got to talk about this bourbon that I'm drinking. Russell's Reserve Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. It's 10 years, 45% alcohol, 90 proof. Again, age 10 years. This stuff is good, man. I tell you, when you smell it, it's great. It's got a, a very sweet taste. But it's funny because it almost tastes like an old-fashioned. As crazy as that sounds. I know you put a lot of other ingredients into an old-fashioned. It literally tastes a little bit about like an old-fashioned. In fact, I had a couple of my friends try it. I was like, hey. Is this kind of almost like tastes like one of my old fashions that I'm making? It's like, yeah, it does. It does. And so this is an amazing thing. I'm going to give it a rating of 8-1. Just really good. You can almost taste some of that like dried fruit bitters, those orange bitters. I mean, it is really good. And yet they didn't do any of that. It's just, it's an amazing flavor. But back to what Eugene had to say here from Sweden. No, low beta stocks is not an alternative to shorting. Now, you have a lot of companies that will flee to the low beta stocks when the market starts selling off, but usually that's only initially during the sell-off. That doesn't last. So you'll have a lot of like funds that will go into like, your utilities, your staples. Those are your, like your very defensive stocks, telecom stocks, and, and real estate stocks. I actually had to get up out of my seat and go look up the sectors because I knew I was forgetting one. Golly. Anyways. Those are the, the sectors that people will tend to flee to initially when there's a big market correction. Now, would I use those to short it? No, but a lot of your mutual funds and Wall Street pros, they will go to those as a way to park their money because a lot of times they can't have a huge cash position, so they always have to be vested in something, so they'll go for the low beta stocks. 
initially those things will rise a little bit. But ultimately, if the market sell-off is pretty steep, it's going to fall with them. You go back and look at 2020 COVID, same thing. You, you saw that big correction that eventually hit all the sectors. And that includes your low beta stocks because historically utilities, staples, those are much lower beta stocks. And they also like the staples and utilities for their dividends because when the market sells off, they'll get a little bit in the form of a dividend that will help offset some of those losses. But ultimately, is it an alternative to shorting stocks? No, it's not. Um, yes, it'll help you beat the market because it's a low beta stock. So if this, the thing has a beta of 0.5 and the stock market drops 50%, those stocks are only going to drop 25%. For me personally, I'd rather be in cash because cash isn't going to go anywhere. And during sell-offs, the value of the dollar actually tends to improve. Now, Eugene says that shorting stocks is a little bit more difficult in Sweden. And if that's the case, well, what, one of the things that you can do is try to play puts by buying puts, put options. I don't know if they have those in Sweden, but if they do, that's one alternative. The other is to see if there's any ultra ETFs or inverse ETFs. I'm not a huge fan of the ultra inverse ETFs because that doubles or triples your beta. And if you're right, yeah, it's great. But if you can just find inverse ETFs that are like one-to-one to where if the S&P 500 drops 1%, you go up 1%, I like those too. And that requires only a long position. So you got to see, there's there's always alternatives out there. You just have to look around and see what's out there. So look for the inverse ETFs. And if those don't have it, start studying up on options. Some I'm not a huge fan of options. I don't recommend necessarily that you trade options. And I'm not recommending anything for that matter. But... I would definitely look at what they have on the options market because that's another alternative too. Not not necessarily the right option for you possibly, especially if you're new because there's a lot of volatility in options. So you want to be careful there. But to answer the question, is low beta stocks an alternative shorting stocks? Absolutely not. I also like to encourage you because I put tons of short setups and I put a lot long setups out there. Check out swingtradingthestockmarket.com. You're going to get my Multiple updates each and every week of my bullish and bearish watch list. Those are the stocks that I'm following each week. And each day, I'm going to come through those and tell you the ones that I like the best. I'm going to tell you which ones I like, why I like them, and I'm going to give you the most intriguing charts each and every day. On top of that, I'm going to update all the FANG stocks each week for you, including Microsoft and Tesla, as well as give you multiple updates on all of the indices. So the S&P 500, the NASDAQ 100, and Russell 2000. So check those out, swingtradingthestockmarket.com. It's a great subscription. Highly recommend you check it out. And make sure you're sending me those questions, ryan at shareplanner.com. I do read them all, and I handpick which ones I'm going to use. Usually, I I, I choose all of them. (laughs) There's not very many that I don't put on there. Some of them are a little bit more difficult to do a podcast on, so I don't do that. But nonetheless, keep sending me those questions. And whatever platform you are listening to me on make sure you leave a five-star review those help me out tremendously you get a bunch of trolls out there that like to do the exact opposite so your reviews help me out greatly and helps me to continue to put out this great content multiple times each and every week thank you guys and god bless thanks for listening to my podcast swing trading the stock market i'd like to encourage you to join me in the share planner trading block where i navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world with your membership you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room including alerts via text email and whatsapp so go ahead sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block that's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block 
And follow me on Share Planner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at brian at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. 